0: Good morning and welcome to this your debate on the blue economy, the potential of our oceans to contribute to the green recovery. Our event today is supported by Equinor. I'm Brian McGuire. You can follow the debate at EA EADebates and please tweet your comments using the hashtag. Our social media team uh, will respond. And to ask questions, go to the chat section and uh, use the ask button as well. So we'll interact with you later on. Now by 2030, the blue economy could perform, outperform the growth of the global economy as a whole, uh, both in terms of value added and employment. As a sector, it currently employs 5 million Europeans, generating a turnover of 750 billion euros, and it has significant potential for the Green Deal as well. Uh, just one example is maritime renewable energy, which is on track to produce up to 35% of the EU's electricity by 2050. The EU is a global leader in offshore wind energy, but it's also developing other uh, uh, emerging and promising technologies such as tidal and wave energy, floating solar panels and wind turbines. The EU's integrated maritime policy aims to adopt a more coherent European approach to maritime issues, but tensions and potential uh, conflicting activities remain. In just a few minutes, we'll uh, meet the panel to discuss these issues, but first it's my pleasure to introduce the European Commissioner for Environment, Oceans and Fisheries, Virginijus Sinkevičius. Good morning, Commissioner. Good morning. Uh, you're going to uh, present the, the keynote address this morning. So the floor is all yours, sir.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Brian. And good morning, of course, to to, to, to everyone. And, 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 and thank you, first of all, uh, for organizing this conference to discuss uh, the future of the Blue Economy. But thank you to all of those who tuned in this morning. Uh, I'm always glad to see there is strong public interest for this important subject. And as you know, the Blue Economy encompasses all activities related to to ocean seas and costs and, and 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 this can be activities that happen directly in 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 the marine environment like fishing or shipping or activities that take play, place on land think of ports and, and and shipyards for instance and the blue economy is a big chunk of of, of uh the eu economy with more than 650 billion euro in turnover and uh, almost 5 million direct jobs and it's Indirect impact, of course, even much throughout uh, a complex web of economic spin-off and, 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 and supply chain. The ocean is the blue economy's most important asset. And at the same time, it is a privilege to work in such a precious environment that provides half of the global oxygen production, a huge carbon sink, a perpetual source of clean energy and and highly nutritious food. And with privilege comes responsibility to protect this unique ecosystem, the source of, of, of our life. So at the start of our mandate, President von der Leyen asked me to develop a new approach to the blue economy. To me, this meant empower the blue economy pioneers and foster the transition to a sustainable economy in line with the European Green Deal. And after almost a year and a half in the job, I'm even more convinced that there can be no green without blue, that there can be no green deal without a sustainable blue economy. They are deeply interconnected. And let me clarify with a few examples. The blue economy links to the biodiversity strategy through uh, sustainable fishing, nature-based solution, and, and, and responsible tourism to the farm-to-fork strategy for sustainable seafood, including from aquaculture and algae production. And it contributes to climate change mitigation by developing marine renewable energy, by decarbonizing maritime transport and and, and by greening ports. Renewing the standards for the design of fishing gear, for ship recycling, and for the decommissioning of offshore platforms will make the economy more circular. And I could go on and on. Uh, the blue economy is a very dynamic sector, full of innovation potential, which is essential to make such transformation to happen. So it was very clear which direction the new approach to the blue economy should take but then the pandemic hit us restaurants closed leaving fishermen and women and aquaculture producers with 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 fresh products that could no longer be sold tourism by far the largest employer in the blue economy stopped completely so not all maritime sectors were affected in the same way, some might recover faster than others, but the crisis has revealed the vulnerability of each sector and has clearly uncovered the need for shorter, more sustainable and more resilient value chains. In a way, the pandemic has shown us what we knew all along, uh, that current approach doesn't work anymore. The European recovery is not just about building back better, it's about building something new, starting from scratch if we have to. And you can't underestimate the potential role of the blue economy in that something new, Because behind renewable energy, behind green infrastructure, even behind natural capital protection, are hiding huge economic opportunities. Whenever we are rebuilding, whenever we are investing in the recovery, we follow the virtuous path of quality and well-being of working in with and for our environment. And that would be my main, main message to all Blue Economy operators and investments, and to all of you working in the policy domain. Now, talking about the policy, uh, let's have a look what's on the agenda. Politically speaking, at least two things are happening right now for the Blue Economy. First, uh, the Portuguese presidency is preparing council conclusions and a ministerial meeting on the Blue Economy so that member states Uh, maritime priorities are redefined for the next two years. We are, of course, in close contact with them. Second, my services are finalizing a commission communication, setting out a new approach to the blue economy. The communication sets out our vision for the blue economy along the Green Deal's axis of decarbonization, circularity, and biodiversity. In that vision, say, 20 years from now, ocean energy will be powering most of the EU. How realistic is that? Well, we already have the plans in place that will lead to quintupling uh, of offshore uh, wind within the next 10 years. Uh, That's not just a vision. It's already happening, and we will go to 25 times the current capacity by 2050. We have a well-regulated energy market that gives the right investment signals. The electricity regulation provides rules on integrating large-scale renewable projects, notably offshore, into the energy system and the electricity market. We have a new offshore renewable strategy that sets ambitious targets for mature technologies and emerging solutions such as floating wind, wave and tidal energy. And the Next Generation EU Recovery Fund provides a unique opportunity to mobilize public capital. So we are well on our way to realize that vision. And not only that, Ships will go on batteries, hydrogen, all alternative fuels, and we will have zero energy ports and new nature based solutions protecting our coasts and wildlife. We will tie investments and public financing to clear benefits for the environment and our climate. We will use our maritime space rationally and effectively to make room for all economic activities as well as protection of marine life and habitats. And we will play a leading role in the global arena. Not just on spatial planning, but also on sustainable fishing, aquaculture, plastic pollution, and so forth. In parallel, we will invest in ocean observation and and deeper our knowledge of the marine environment to help us understand and predict how our activities in blue economy and beyond affect it. This science-based approach is the only way to ensure the sustainability and resilience of the blue economy. From the extensive consultations uh, that we held last year among experts, stakeholders, and the public at large, I'm confident that we are ready to do this. We can make it happen, but it will only work if all players align themselves and work in the same direction. Stakeholders, uh, businesses, large and small, local groups, young people passionate about the health of our ocean and, and, and the general public. I also realized that the. Transition will be expensive, but there is a access to, to public f- uh, funds. This is an exceptional situation and a unique opportunity we should not miss. For instance, it is essential that member states, uh, national resilience and recovery plans and national operational programs for 2021, 2027, uh, are channeled in that direction and, and, and complement each other. Also, the new European Maritime Fisheries and Aquaculture Fund will play a key role, especially with its Blue Invest platform and the new Blue Invest Fund. This, coupled with other EU programs such as Horizon Europe, but most of all, I believe in a high return on investment. The work to mitigate and and adapt to climate uh, to climate change, to restore biodiversity and the resilience of our marine ecosystem, to build a stronger economic model, and embrace a circular economy will in itself create tangible opportunities for new jobs and 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 businesses across europe so now is the time the ocean plays a fundamental role in human life and it's finally getting the spotlight if we save the ocean the ocean will save us so let's prepare for this exciting journey Uh, I will probably stop here. I wish you a, 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 a very uh, productive discussions.
0: Uh... Commissioner, thanks uh, for taking time to be with us this morning. I I appreciate just how broad uh, the scope is and perhaps it's an area which uh, many people are not that familiar with as well. But as you say, there's huge potential and uh, the ambition is there to do this. And So we'll discuss with our panel about how how we implement that ambition, how we achieve these goals and uh, what the perspectives are uh, for Europe uh, to invest more and, as you say, get that return on investment as well. So thank you very much for taking the time uh, to be with us. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Uh, thanks uh, to Commissioner uh, uh We have most of our panel with this. I have some connection issues this morning. But uh, let me introduce the panel, and uh, we'll get uh, everyone back on in just a moment. Uh, we have uh, just appeared there John Bell. Uh, he is the Director of Healthy Planet at the uh, Director General for Research and Innovation at the European uh, Commission. Uh, we have uh, Bernard Fries. Uh, he's the Director of Maritime Policy and Blue Economy at the DG responsible for Maritime Affairs and Fisheries at uh, the European Commission. Uh, joining us uh, very shortly will be MEP Claudia Mutierre de Aguiar. She's uh, Vice Chair of the Committee on Fisheries at the European Parliament. Uh, we have uh, Raquel she is uh, All-Atlantic Ocean Youth Ambassador uh, from Portugal and uh, from Equinor we have uh, Tova Lund. Uh, she's the Head of Safety, Security and Sustainability for New Energy Solutions at Equinor and also Chairwoman of the Global Offshore Wind Health and Safety Organization. Great to have you all with us this morning. I just ask you for a quick opening uh, statement just to uh, set the scene for what you want to speak about today. John Bell, let's uh, kick off with you. The floor is yours, sir.
2: has said uh, the european green deal is a systemic shift in what the european union is about and we won't make it without oceans and seas and a new blue economy being put in place so the question from the research innovation point of view is if we're going to have a transition by design over 30 years how do we put the means in place uh, to deliver the vision that commissioner sinkovich has said Set out so we know. is a programme that is going to embody the kind of mission thinking that we need to make this journey happen, we have a new uh, blue economy partnership. We're launching a new mission uh, on the restoration of the oceans and seas by 2030, and we have a massive array of international cooperation. So, how do we how do we put the means in place is one of the questions. How do we get there to the sustainable blue economy vision that has been set out? Uh, we need to we need to do all the things the commissioner said. We need to give the discovery and the understanding of what we need. We need to demonstrate solutions. We need to deploy, have the appliance of science in terms of new ways and means of addressing the big systemic risks. We need to de-risk investment and we need to get population involved. So um, bottom line, what we're going to do soon is launch, as Commissioner von der Leyen announced last night at the Nobel uh, award, uh, a, a series of European Green Deal missions like moonshot missions, think about one as the inner space mission. We're going to launch a mission on the ocean and seas restoration by 2030, and we're going to put in place the means at scale to address the issues in terms of ecosystems, decarbonisation, pollution, and connect up and complete the knowledge gaps, build the governance, and engage the public in doing that. And the whole point of all of this is that we're going to have this uh, transition by design we need to have the means to do that. So research and innovation, the basic message here is, research and innovation has a different role here to support policy innovation markets in turning what is a blind spot in the green deal into a sustainable blue economy through what we could call a blue enlightenment. Thank you.
0: And discover, demonstrate and apply. A key takeaway from that. Thank you so much. Uh, Bernard fries uh, you have the floor, sir. A quick uh, statement
3: good morning thank you um i'll uh, elaborate in in my in my statement just quickly on what the commissioner said uh, about us launching a new uh, blue economy strategy on the 12th of may just to say what is the the key the key point of that strategy it is to 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 implement in the oceans in the ocean economy in the maritime economy the blue economy the transformational shift that the european green deal that Ursula von der Leyen has put on the table is 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 advocating, and I'm I'm going to give you sort of my 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 take on what what sustainable blue economy what sustainable means in that context, right? It means two things. Number one, it means uh, seizing the opportunities we have for credible uh, sustainable activities, and that means basically activities that are renewable, renewable energy. It means activities, economic activities that are circular, circular economy. It means recycling, it means avoiding and curbing pollution. These are all opportunities that uh, can create uh, new technology, of course, but often Europe is leading in many of these areas. New jobs, they can be a a vector for recovery. As the Commissioner said, this is the new thing that, where we have in Europe an opportunity to to really really lead and, and, and create value. And there's a second aspect to it, and that is sustainable means also scaling down the kind of activities that are harmful, that are polluting, that are fossil fuel based, that are creating greenhouse gas emissions. Because the core of the Green Deal is to decarbonize our society, is to reach the 55% reduction target by 2030 and become carbon free in in, a, in a one or two decades afterwards. So so that means basically, to give a concrete example of one or two examples, it means for energy, it means renewables up but oil and gas down. We need to have a plan to both increase renewables and to scale down in the oceans um, uh, oil and gas exploitation. And and if you look at plastics at pollution, uh, there are many opportunities to, to 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 have you know alternative materials that that packaging material one way one way products that can be used for more sustainable materials, natural fibers. These are really good technologies that that can grow. At the same time, it means we need to go to the source and and to the factories where plastic is produced today and, and affect that transition, not only when it arrives in the water in the seas, but all along the value chain. So sustainability for us means seizing the opportunities, but also doing, doing the right thing.
0: Excellent, Bernard. Thank you so much. Uh, Raquel Gayao.
3: And,
4: and thank you for the invitation to be in such a distinguished panel. Well, my generation is the first generation to have grown up in a a world where information is at the tip of our fingers, but also we are the first generation where climate change change is in the international debate daily. So we are constantly reminded that um, we need to change fast and that our future might not be as good as we were hoping for. So having said that, it was mentioned before that the blue economy has the potential to outperform the growth of the global economy as a whole. But the world simply cannot withstand any more economic growth that is made at the cost of environmental degradation and the the natural capital depletion so we need this new economic model that everyone is talking about that that decouples the economic growth from environmental degradation carbon neutral a blue economy that is regenerative that is circular like like bernard already said Um, and the european green deal sets a great baseline for that um, but the youth needs to be listened to because we dare to make the complicated questions, we think outside the box, and we actually have the younger generations already depending on us for this fast transi- transition, this shift. So um, whether it's, if it's by founding our own startups, creating innovative technologies, or being a part of networks like I am today, we need to be part of the conversation, just like I am today addressing you with this statement. So thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: Thank you, Raquel. Uh over to you. Yeah, I think you're on mute at the moment, Toby. And we're still waiting for Claudio to join us also. She has some connection issues. Toby, can you, can you hear us now, yeah?
5: Yes, I'm very sorry. No sorry problem, for all yours. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was uh, great to hear Commissioner Zinkovicius' uh, views. Uh, Europe has an enormous maritime space, and we must use it wisely for its sustainable growth. As the offshore renewable energy strategy acknowledges, uh, I'm convinced that renewables will be crucial to boost economic recovery and achieve EU's climate targets. In Equinor, we have set out to become an offshore wind major and we have large ambitions for floating wind, a technology that we have been a true pioneer in developing. In 2017, we put High Wind Scotland, the, fir- the world's first floating offshore wind farm, in operation and we see a great potential for floating wind in Europe and our ambitions is to make floating commercial by 2030. To drive a sustainable ocean development where renewables play an increasing role, I will highlight the following priorities. First, as chair of the global uh, offshore wind health and safety organisation, the G+, I believe a safe industry will be a prerequisite for success, and hence safeguarding people needs to be at the cornerstone also of a blue economy. Second, our licence to operate will further be linked to our ability to coexist. And protect the environment and therefore marine spatial planning at sea basin level is not only a natural enabler for access to acreage and grid developments it will be essential for efficient space use and coexistence and in Equinor, we have a long experience in collaborating and coexisting with fisheries as this is the other industry in norway Third, uh, research and innovation will be important. Equinor is committed to continue paving the way for innovative renewable technologies. But R&I needs to be turned into viable and strategic industrial projects. And we are convinced that the EU will be in a privileged position to direct its R&I towards scale-up in floating wind. And with that, I look forward to our further discussions. Thanks.
0: So thank you so much. Uh, we also have with us uh, Claudia Montero de Aguiar. Uh, good morning. How are you? Good
6: morning. everything's fine. Thank you.
0: Excellent. Uh, so we just heard from the commissioner and uh, each of the panelists are just given a short introductory statement as well. So I'll give you the floor for uh, your opening remarks as well. Thank you.
6: Thank you very much uh, for this opportunity and for the invitation to to be here with you today. Um, well, just some some notes and some some thoughts. Uh, of course, that's, we know that uh, uh, the use of the ocean as a resource implies all stakeholders' involvement uh, in two ways, in its preservation and, and in, in its governance. Um, after all, the sector employs uh, around 5 million people and generates a turnover of 750 billion euros. It's a, a significantly leveraged by coastal uh, by, by coastal tourism. However, uh, it's not possible to involve all stakeholders if, uh, key, if they are not aware of uh, the marine ecosystem as a whole, its weaknesses, strengths and, of course, uh, its opportunities. Uh, the European Commission uh, 2020 report on the EU blue economy reveals some stagnation uh, in the gross added value of the sector in the last decade. So, uh, we, mu- we must uh, ask ourselves, uh, there's a margin to do more and to do better? I think so, I believe so, but it will only be possible if all agents understand the sea, uh, which can only be used with uh, um, more education, more training, and especially uh, at the top executives of companies operating in the blue economy. Uh, on perspectives of uh, of the enterprises uh, they have to have a 360 degrees of a view of the eu funding available and of course the possibilities of blending different ones uh, concerning blue economy the, the companies have at their disposal uh, the mff the horizon 2020 and others uh, there there is also um, a eu guide funding Focused on coastal and maritime tourism, uh, covering twelve programmes of the the former MFF. I have already asked uh, the Commission to update this guide to the new MFF. So this, so that that is in this way, operators have their at their disposal um, examples of tr- projects awarded and possible ways of apply for financial assistance for um, the development of sustainable and innovative projects in coastal areas. Um, Oceans and coastal areas are very complex and fragile ecosystems. Still, they can generate uh, wealth in fisheries and aquaculture, coastal tourism, uh, gastronomy, research uh, and development, if well-managed. So that's why uh, I, I recently used the European Commission effort to strengthen its education programs for marine biodiversity, ocean governance and sustainable management of coastal areas. A whole new world for blue literacy, not only in schools with young, younger population, but with companies and with investors. Uh, Bet on closer link between universities, research centers, and business world. It's very important to create literacy programs for, as I said previously, senior executives in micro, small, and medium enterprises. They need skills. We need to provide them skills to optimize their wealth creative potential. I consider it's also very important that the outermost regions to their natural connection to the sea establish cooperation agreements with third countries regions with similar characteristics. I'm taking in, uh, in Cabo Verde, in saint ex examples exporting their knowledge and thereby creating economies of scale that uh, make investments attractive to companies and simultaneously implement good governance practices in less developed countries. The outermost regions have all the conditions to serve as a barometer for the governance of oceans. And I will finalize uh, with the last uh, remark. Uh, a very, a very positive note for uh, the mission Starfish 2030, in which the European Commission identifies identifies uh, uh, five areas of action for the oceans that seem crucial to my understanding and, and goes in the direction of uh, what I've just uh, exposed now knowledge, recovery, uh, zero pollution, decarbonization, and sp- overall governance our seas needs urgent intervention we all I think that we all agree with that but uh, uh, only with the involvement of everyone we will achieve this um, this purpose of this or this goal. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks to all our panelists uh, for opening remarks. John Bell, uh, you know green economy without the blue economy. Uh, We've touched on a lot of different subjects here, a lot of different dimensions with the opening statements as well. I'm going to try and go through uh, each of these. Uh, But the the headline seems to be in terms of offshore wind, renewable energy uh, as well. Is this going to be the driving uh, force behind the success of this policy?
2: I think what you're talking about is moving from a kind of an outdated concept of that we just do uh, fish and ships into actually looking at what a sustainable blue economy looks like. The opportunities here are also linked to the challenges that the commissioner has set out. If you look at the blue uh, bioeconomy, for example, there are whole new areas, new business models, new innovations, new ways of working, uh, which are available. If you think about the challenge of the restoration of the ecosystems, there are whole new areas of value chains and services that can be developed. If you look at the questions of food from the sea or feed from the sea, um, there are whole new areas, again, new value chains, which are being developed. Uh, In terms of uh, what was raised earlier on, in terms of the, the harnessing of data coming from the oceans, which will be at a huge scale, as we put in place fit-for-purpose observation systems. Um, What will happen with that data in terms of its transformation, new goods and services? You look at the materials that Bernard has spoken about, the new value chains, we can give all kinds of examples where you see these new, for example, biorefineries in fishing areas in different parts of Europe, which are taking the waste out of the circular system and transforming it into high value added uh, biomaterials, biochemicals, building blocks, replacing fossil products and so forth. So the opportunity is enormous. We obviously have to make a win on the areas where we're going to hit uh, these targets in terms of renewable uh, uh, energy, and maybe research innovation is going to have to step up up in terms of cracking some of the breakthroughs and the more difficult uh, technologies and their applications. In the ecosystems area, how are we going to go about this business of restoring, putting the means in place by 2030, which is what Mission Starfish is about, to actually Complete the transformation, rebuilding the renewal uh, of our ecosystems. And on pollution, I mean, simply on that alone, this is going to be a huge opportunity in terms of Europe leading, not simply on the regulatory environment, which can be smart and uh, giving incentives to investment, but technologies and solutions that will result in globally leading ways of addressing what is the single biggest uh, dr- driver at the moment in terms of uh, moving forward in the public's mind. So I think the opportunities are extraordinary. uh, And I think the European Union is in a very good position to develop all of these areas, including the areas that we've spoken about earlier on, uh, and energy.
0: Yeah, Claudia Moncero doesn't have a lot of time with us, so I just want to spend a little more time through uh, for now. Uh, Claudia, you you talk about education as well, uh, and as a critical part of this dynamic. And I think it's fair to say that most people don't think too much about the ocean in terms of uh, its sustainability, in terms of carbon reduction. Uh, so there's, there's huge scope for opportunity there, but who takes the lead with education you know, and where should we focus? Should we be focusing, uh, like Raquel said, on the younger generation that can be more innovative and can uh, develop uh, over time, or do we focus on uh, an older generation that's been fishing and taking care of tourism but now needs new opportunities, how do we educate across these different Different levels that you spoke of
6: yeah think thank you for for the the, the question Well, I think that uh, we need to look uh, uh, to overall uh, uh, as a system, and we need to understand that uh, uh, at the European level, if you launch the opportunities and if you create programs and you can you can create uh, financial support to adapt for these programs of literacy, of course you have the hat of the European Union. But then, at the 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 national governments level, you can implement also a different kind of Programs with this ed and with this lead coming from the the European uh, uh, Commission or from the European institutions, and I think that the bath needs to needs to be done uh, in both segments that you you spoke about um, with the young generation. Of course, literacy is important to uh, make them uh, be more connected to the oceans, to the sea, to respect the oceans and the sea, to understand how uh, uh biodiversity ecosystems but also how uh, fisheries also in, uh, have a, an important role on on this um on on this ecosystem and to understand how can they in the future can uh, co-work and to uh uh uh, respects uh, oceans and seas at that level. Of course, that uh, speaking about seniors and uh, and another generation, I think it's uh, also important to analyze and to promote this uh, literacy, as I said previously, also uh, uh, connecting with the uh, universities with research and uh, if all stakeholders are aligned, I think that uh, this match can be done and uh, for the, the next uh, uh, years or the next uh, generation speaking about uh, young, young people, you, you can create this input that uh, can uh, make the turnover for of, a, um, of a generation.
0: You're from Madeira an island uh, and you, do people there think in terms of wind energy as as uh, an opportunity for the economy?
6: Yes of course we have uh, we have that uh, the government also analyzes that we have implemented also uh, in the island um uh, uh the, the the wind energy uh, we have also um a focus on uh, aquaculture uh, and uh our connection, of course, uh, naturally uh, with the sea, with the oceans, are are very keen, and of course the universities here have also an important role to do uh, uh, and to connect with the government and with the implementation of uh, of the systems. But yes, I, I think that uh, we have a positive uh, uh, approach on on wind, on uh, aquaculture, as I said, uh, and with the, with the university. So. As I said previously in the beginning, I think that uh, uh, outermost regions can play an important role uh, as promoters of uh, of this uh, whole ecosystem that can be worked together and uh, uh, connected w- with the goals of uh, a more greener and a, mo- a more bluer uh, agenda that we want to implement for the f- the, the new future, the next future or the near future. Sorry.
0: Uh, both you and, and Claudia Monteiro uh, have mentioned that the, the management of this is, is key. You know, doing this safely, doing this in a, in a responsible uh, way as well. You know, for an island like Madeira, which uh, obviously tourism is extremely important, how do you go about managing uh, offshore wind farms without damaging uh, the tourist sector, for example? You know, what do you mean by a safe and, and uh, approach and a good governance when it comes to uh, offshore wind?
5: Were you asking me? Sorry. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what do, when you talk about uh, good governance and talk about safe management of uh, offshore wind, you know, how do you reconcile that and, and balance it with uh, concerns like an island like Madeira may have, though not just there, uh, about uh, the tourist industry, the impact of renewable projects? and you know, how, do you, how do you involve stakeholders that may be concerned about uh, the, uh, the devalued uh, coastline uh, with uh, offshore wind projects? How, how do you manage this process and do it safely?
5: yes okay i'm a little little confused uh, of uh, who you were asking uh, really um, I, I think uh, for us as uh, as a developer uh, the stakeholder engagement is is very very key so we very early uh, start out trying to map out uh, who's our stakeholders uh, and of course trying to understand what is is a potential impact uh, of uh, a development um, so so that will be uh, kind of very important uh, part of the development uh, of a project. Uh, And and then kind of um, the the permitting and the consenting process following standard uh, and um, uh, accepted uh, um, uh, protocols um, of the industry. Uh, We very much align with the IFC standards uh, as a a standard for our ways of uh, uh, developing our wind farms.
0: And what does that mean in terms of of, uh, dealing with the population and and who who are the main stakeholders uh, in this kind of construction project? Uh, Because if if we're to achieve the decarbonization using uh, aquaculture to to achieve this, there's going to be massive investment on on large-scale wind farms uh, across Europe and and solar farms as well. who, Who are the key players in this? Is it is it uh, the coastal areas themselves, is the it national governments, or, or you know, who, do you, who do you need to speak to and convince most of all? Because planning and planning permission is obviously a part of this too. Tove.
5: Yeah, thanks. It's very much about uh, uh, fisheries uh, that we have been talking uh, about and that the commissioner uh, also uh, alluded to, how to coexist uh, in particular then with uh, with fishing interests, uh, because because there will be uh, um, uh, um impacts uh, uh, in, in the area uh, but obviously also uh, key stakeholders will be the public uh, depending on on kind of uh, how far away from shore uh, is the development. Um, so the closer to to the shore uh, the more visual uh, it will be uh, and, and and then of course you will have to uh, have to have a good dialogue uh, with, with stakeholders uh, uh, in the public as well. Thank um,
0: you. It, it, yeah. That's okay. Bernard Fries wanted to to uh, comment also. Bernard.
3: Yeah. Thanks. Just to comment on that, um, we think that uh, to to reach the renewables uh, targets that will be essential, um, we'll need about three to four percent of the sea space, which is significant. It's significant. Um, so this is of course not easy in, in in a congested sea space like we have in the North Sea, in the in the in the Western Waters, in in the, in the Baltic, especially in the Mediterranean where there's shipping, where there's fishing, uh, many other activities where we need to be very careful not to uh, harm um, uh, sensitive, environmentally sensitive areas. Um, There's two things. We have actually a, uh, a process working with member states through a directive and member states are in the process right now to put forward maritime spatial plans that try to take these things into account. And, and going forward, secondly, and that's one of the things we are going to uh, put out on the on the um, on the on the twelfth of May, is we we will propose creating a blue forum to bring all these different, sometimes conflicting interests on board to make sure that really this process is managed in an equitable way, right? So that we both are equitable to the environment and we are equitable to those stakeholders, fishermen and others who are uh, who are concerned, but yet make it possible. To 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 go down that road because renewables without renewables we're not gonna meet the, the Green Deal.
0: Okay. So the it- do you think it's possible to keep that, that bigger picture in mind with uh, stakeholders that, look, we have to achieve this Green, this green Deal because uh, otherwise the, the, the potential disaster that comes from that, there has to be a trade-off, there has to be an acceptability that offshore wind, uh, solar farms, you know, they have to be done, but we're going to do them in a sensible way. You know, is this a narrative that people understand yet, Bernard, or is this uh, something which the communications really has to be uh, rolled out with?
3: I, I right. think they they understand it, and and you know they always vested interests and legitimate vested interests, and 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 we have to take them into account. But I think we understand that. And what we will try to do with our new blue economy strategy is precisely to try to trigger that kind of shift of mentality and and set out a vision that brings that can help rally people around. Um, I've seen a on uh, initiative report, I think in the Fisheries Committee of the European Parliament, that has addressed that in a very constructive way. And of course, this is sometimes a very political issue. We have to to not just address it technically, but politically, uh, and, and you know work with 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 everybody. Basically, it needs to be it needs to be inclusive.
0: Raquel, you know, when you're looking at career options, most people aren't thinking about the ocean right now, and yet there's huge potential when it comes to research investment, uh, you know, the development uh, projects, the supporting industries uh, that will help uh, develop the coastline, whether it's in terms of uh, tourism, fisheries, or, or energy supplies. You know, for for your generation, do you see opportunity here, or like I asked Bernard, do people just not understand the situation yet?
4: Well. As someone that comes from the scientific side, uh, I did my bachelor in biology and a master in in marine bi- biology. So I was already already prone to look at the ocean. And also, I'm Portuguese, so we have a close connection we, with the ocean. Um, I can see from my my colleagues that are not from marine biology that don't see our ocean, and usually they even don't don't understand how big is our ocean, how biodiverse we we. It is, and how can we? As as already was said, we can use ingredients from the ocean to make cosmetics, to make pharma pharmaceuticals, to make biomaterials. Um, and taking uh, the point of, of Claudia, we need to to connect the research with industry. Uh, we need to connect people from different areas, business uh, from business, from economics, and from science. So the also the managers and the economists understand that the ocean has potential and um, even more has potential because it, it can be sustainable the way we we we, we explore the ocean. Um, so the, the, the feeling that I have is that uh, people that come from the scientific side are taught only to make research and not to think on a way of applying the research and also in cultivating this systemic way of thinking, um, so often I see uh, youth uh, recycling and, and not thinking. You know, if they have a, a, a place to put the plastic, but the, the the place is full, they will go there and put the plastic. And and if if There is wind the plastic just goes away so they are not thinking systemically okay it's better not to recycle if if the beam is full you know or let's not eat meat or fish but then let's go buy um a vegetable that comes from the other part of the world and has a big uh, carbon footprint so i think that we need to start thinking more systemically and bringing people from different uh, backgrounds together and i think this is missing. I think we can work more in that part.
0: Thank you. We have lots of questions coming through which we're going to come to in a few minutes but if you're sending questions and you want uh, someone specifically uh, to address it please uh, put that in the comments and uh, we'll deal with that in a few minutes as well. Uh, Claudia, you know what we heard from Raquel there uh, as well you know, there's this huge opportunity and, and the scale of this ambition is massive. Uh, often European projects don't accelerate quickly enough because the, the administration required is too heavy. The funding uh, is not well enough understood as well. So, uh, you know, John, said at the beginning, we have to discover, we have to demonstrate and we need to apply. So in terms of the application of these policies, Claudia, what what have we learned before that can help accelerate this? Because the timeline is pretty short.
6: Well, it's true. And uh, as we all know, uh, the bureaucracy that involves all the the institutions at the European level is huge. So. more and more, we ask for uh, uh, to try to uh, uh, reduce the bureaucracy in each processes that uh, involve the European uh, Commission, but also the, the European Parliament. and also I think that uh, um, uh, one of one of the problem problems that Raquel pointed out, I think that also comes with this uh, new new way of uh, how politics is 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 being is 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 being done and how we are also um seeing the implementation and and uh, the 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 this populism and this uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, politics that are uh, in extreme ways and this what what raquel said about uh, uh, some 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 uh, Group, some politic groups that want to impose uh uh taxes want to impose that uh, everyone needs to stop eat uh, uh, fish then needs to stop to eat meal then to need, needs to to to, to uh, implement uh, uh ways of uh, uh, eating only soy i do respect all that but, but we can not only impose the the closure of one thing to implement other that has also a carbon footprint because we need to import from uh, from other uh, points of uh, of the world. So we we need to also. Uh, Uh, Find balance in things. Find balance in position, in positions, and in policies when creating policies. So I think that there's a huge uh, uh, challenge ahead uh, with with the democracies with the extreme position, extreme positions. On uh, on exactly this, uh, yeah, opening.
0: On exactly this, yeah. you know, most people, they're not really concerned about the practicalities of, of harmony uh, except if it, uh, it doesn't produce a benefit for them. Most people are concerned about jobs. And so the, the blue economy and its job uh, growth potential as well, Claudia, you know, is this the selling point? Is that we do this well, we bring uh, jobs to your community, there's, there's, uh, the whole economy will benefit from this. Is that the single rallying point for this rather than the environmental argument?
6: Well, of course, that uh, it's important, and it matters because uh, in the end of the day, it's true that they are creating a, a, a work, a workforce, and uh, they develop some some uh, areas that uh, if if it was not that possibility, uh, the development will be uh, not would be not. Uh, 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 succeeded or or would not happen what i say here and what i put always in my in my work from the point of of, of view of the decision maker is to uh, to find a balance of course that we want growth we want development but uh, uh, we need to balance that with the respect from the oceans the biodiversity uh, uh, we need to find a balance between what you said previously um uh, with with research with the uh, the, f- the fisheries the fishermen because they they are also an important uh uh uh, uh, important members of of this uh, community of some, of some communities and uh, in the end of the day they they earn money and their families depend on that so this kind of involvement needs needs to, to be done. Let, let me ask John,
0: and, John Bell about this. Uh, John, just in terms of the job side of this as well You in Brussels we'll talk a lot about the environmental responsibility, about sustainability things like this as well. Yeah, if you go, you know, you're from Ireland, I'm from Ireland we, we have a lot of fishermen who uh, they're, they're, they have seasonal jobs in the fishing industry and the rest of the year, they may work on farms or they simply struggle uh, to make a living to provide for their family. Is you know, The same thing I asked, Claudia, is, is this about selling this project to the public in terms of jobs and recovery rather than talking about the environment? Uh, how, how would uh, you think that this is best done? John Bell.
2: Well, I agree with Claudia that there's... That, that... I agree with Claudia that there is no easy either ors. This is a transition, uh, and it's a transition from where we are to where we need to be. Um, and the transition, when we use the word sustainable, we're talking about the economy, the environment, and uh, uh, and the and the society. Um, now, to give you some examples of, you know, how we need to take the knowledge that is there and to apply it in ways which will create economic growth in communities where we have fisheries and key tourism, um, we see in the blue bioeconomy, for example, in different parts of Europe, that in fishery communities, the appliance of new uh, technologies to waste in circularity is generating entirely new industries and nutrients, and feed, and food, and cosmetics, and uh, building blocks, high value added building blocks for, for things like bio based uh, chemicals and plastic substitutes for fossils, and so forth. And the same with renewability. The renewable energies will require uh, you know, the interaction with local communities. Um, At the end of the day, we need to do and, and and what we need to do is to put in place the means, the solutions to test them, to demonstrate them, to deploy them. Another word is to de-risk them. We need to create the financial system with our partners in in the recovery funds and the banks and the European Investment Bank and so forth, that we can actually replicate, scale up and involve uh, a growth into an economic scale where you will get, through the proper skilling and involvement of people, entirely new businesses. Uh, To give you a very simple example, if you think about um, the the, the Copernicus developments, uh, you know, 20 years ago, the idea is that that kind of science and technology is now producing all kinds of uh, jobs and growth in navigation, in in prediction, in insurance, in, 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 in other areas. And this is what we need to do. So if you take the problem of biodiversity or the problem of ecosystems or the problem of pollution, We need an entirely new part of the economy that will be anchored in these communities who know best uh, what needs to be done in their sea basins. And that's why we need mission thinking, which brings these ideas together with clear destinations, clear targets, and research innovation stepping up, not simply putting the knowledge in place. And there's a lot of knowledge that needs to be put in place. The appliance of that science in solutions, market models, and scalable investments
0: excellent thank you bernard you wanted to comment
2: yeah
3: thank you just to uh, fully agree with what john said just to give it a bit of practical flavour um, we, we think that uh, uh, the the offshore renewables alone can create 200,000 new jobs by by mid mid of, mid of the decade 2025 right just with the investments that are already in the pipeline and these are these are new jobs and just go to the you know to Shabu or to the uh, coastal regions uh, where these these uh, these plants and these assembly uh, plants are, are are being are being set up, it's it's a, a perspective. I think uh, it doesn't mean that you know we shouldn't ignore, ignore traditional industries, but there's a normal upside potentially in actually the kind of d- dynamism that we can develop. And um, when it comes to fishermen, I remember when I was fisheries director doing an outing to Kill Heel, no longer European Union now, but in Northern Ireland, um, where fishermen were actually making revenue from providing servicing to offshore platforms. So there is a symbiosis possible between, you know, the traditional way of, of earning money and new ways of earning money. And I think these are the kind of things that we should that you should try to foster and, and develop and, and there we can where we can
0: help. Excellent. If you wait long enough maybe Kalkeel will be back. In the union as well, uh, so you we uh, your two hundred thousand new jobs in a short space of time—that's that's pretty substantial, and that's just the start of it as well. You know, your company will play a significant role in that as well. And as you move uh, towards uh, decarbonisation for the industrial structure, uh, you know, there's a huge opportunity for you there too. In terms of, of uh, the the de-risking for the investment that John mentions as well, you know, how does Equinor see uh, the investment opportunity? Is the investment environment? Right for you? Is it on companies like you uh, to invest in this, or is there a regulatory environment which you need to see adjusted? To? Uh, what's your scan on that?
5: Well, uh, of course, there's, uh, there's uh, a financial um, um, driver here for us to be in, uh, in this uh, space, um, uh, but, but really to, uh, to um, uh, develop it further, uh, the financial framework needs to be in place. But more and more so, uh, uh, it, we see areas uh, where, um, uh, where a competition now uh, is towards kind of uh, more on on a, uh, a net zero basis uh, so um, there's there's been a huge uh, drive down of costs new technology uh, and development uh, development of new te- technology will really uh, require uh, a framework in place uh, like i mentioned for the floating uh, offshore wind to to get that to a commercial stage uh, we really need to uh, to scale up uh, and and and, and commercialize it. Um, so, so that will require frameworks, um, uh, financial support uh, to, to really uh, demonstrate uh, that.
2: Um,
5: so uh, yes, there are, there is financial uh, drivers, of course, uh, to be in an industry um, compared to what we uh, do. Uh, in addition, in my company, uh, the uh, uh, the reward is uh, or, or the internal rate of returns are lower, but the risk uh, involved uh, is somewhat uh, uh, lower
0: also. Okay, thank you. I want to turn to that in a few minutes. Uh, Claudio. you had a, a comment to make.
6: Yeah, I think it's a kind of uh, connected with uh, what uh, Tolva said now, but uh, especially to to, to Bernard with, when, when uh, talking about uh, um, what we need to do to uh, uh, to put all people together and to involve all people, uh, and I forgot to mention that not only because I come from uh, an island and an outermost region, and I do understand that, but also coming from Portugal and, and with the 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 impact that the tourism has in our economy, that I wanted to say previously, uh, we need also to involve stakeholders coming agents coming from from tourism because uh, you have the the, the, the visual impact uh, you need to you need to involve them because they 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 create also value for the countries and for regions the, the tourism stakeholders so you need also to involve them to 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 make them understand uh, what is the added value of having that in that in those regions or in these countries and I wanted just to share with you, but I, I, I remember that when we 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 first implement aquaculture in uh, in Madeira, and and it's still and it's still a, a, an issue, uh, uh, we need to deal first with citizens because uh, the impact of the the the, the jails are uh, are big, and uh, and then you have also to. Uh, uh, to speak with uh, with fishermen, but people related also to the tourism industry—that it's the point that I wanted to share with you, with with, uh, with the hotels, with restaurants, with everyone that deal with this day by day—and you need to show them what will what will be the benefit, what would be the added value for the region, and how can they benefit with that? And it was just a compliment to uh, see that. And to, to understand that this involvement is crucial for the development of any, uh, uh, any um, point related to, to the, the, the economy.
0: Just before we came on air, I was speaking with Commissioner Sincovichus about exactly this and about the age profile in fishing as well. That young people don't want to go into fishing. It's too hard. It's too unstable. And he spoke about needing to create a sustainable living wage as well so that people, young, young people are more uh, able to go in to find a, a stable salary so they can plan for family they can get their mortgage things like this as well so when we talk about investment in this sector as well do you consider that there needs to be uh, an economic remodeling uh, for aquaculture as well claudia
6: yes and which we need to look at them. I know that uh, Commissioner sinkevich is, uh, is very keen on on, uh, on promoting the blue economy and uh, and also uh, uh, wants to to bring more people. and I I I am very supportive of that to bring more young people uh, to this uh, uh, to, to to the fisheries. Uh, but as you mentioned before, you need to create them the support, the financial support, because young people that, that don't have the support, fin- the financial support to 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 buy new boats to buy one boat to go to the to the bank and to ask for support financial support for that so there's a lot of things to do and not only to say that it's important that young people come to to, to fisheries, we, we need to create all these uh, conditions so that they can see an opportunity in the sea. And I think that uh, uh, the challenges are the challenges are huge because with digitalization, uh, with this uh, uh, this double. Transformation that we want to uh, uh, foresee and to implement in in our societies, the the, the the green transition, the digital transition, is important. So let's find out how can young people can uh, uh, be more connected to these new areas and to of course try to understand what will be uh, uh, the prof- the professions of the future. This what skills are needed to to this new professions and how can we manage to put them, the young people, connected with the seas, connected with fisheries, but also with with this transition. So that is why at the EU level we need to create these conditions, programs uh, that the Commission needs to launch, but also financial support for that, because programs without financial support, it's not used. To, to implement
0: okay uh, Raquel in terms of upskilling and and reskilling you know this this Reskilling used to be something that uh, you would think of in terms of a uh, mid-stage career or older as well, but the prospect of any young person having a, a stable career, which is, is one track, is near impossible today. So you know, do do you see an opportunity for, when you talk about upskilling and reskilling and uh, the aquaculture, You know, is it important that people see a stable career path, or is it important that the financial stability is there? And what I mean by that is, if but you have to work in a seasonal environment in tourism, for example, uh, along coastlines, uh, but then another season uh, you're involved in, in offshore construction for wind energy or the supply chain for that, or another part is the fishing industry as well. How, do you, how would you like to see this financial framework uh, worked out so that there is stability for your generation and an incentive for young people to go into the blue economy?
4: Thank you for that question. Um, well, I think the first thing I noticed a lot is that it is common to have non-paid internships uh, in some areas. Uh, for example, in the areas of conservation of cetaceans, uh, there is a lot of this idea that the early career, you have to start as an, with an internship and usually it's it's not paid. And I, I, I see some young people that just get used to it Uh, first is not paid then they are going to be paid with a um, small salary Um, and because they they see that the others also are not being so well paid they don't demand for more so um, for sure i think the the, we need to make more attractive the the ocean careers to 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 young people so they want to be there Um, but also young people care about where they work for in terms of if the the company uh, is caring about the environment. I think this is also a very big characteristic of our our generation. So if the fisheries are using um, fishing gear that is destructive, I see very often that people do not want to be working for that. They want to be okay. maybe working with fisheries, but small scale fisheries. But if they work with small scale scale fisheries, they will probably be less well paid. So for sure, this has to be uh, something that should be solved in terms of aquaculture. I see uh, big opportunities coming up, I think, at least here in Portugal, when it comes to multi-traffic aquaculture that is sustainable um, and people are learning in college about all the the, um, the advantage of that type of aquaculture. And I see, at least here in Portugal, people that are interested in going to companies that are making algae, for example, in an aquaculture uh, that it also has fish and it, it mimics the, the ecosystem and has quite good efficiency and uh, it's sustainable. So they like to work on that kind of, of, of jobs. Um, and also again the importance of networks you know people sometimes don't know the type of jobs that the marine scientists can have um, and being a part of network being in contact with aquaculture with people from biotechnology um, people even that are working in, in like you said wind float farms um usually the youth can make some questions that are interesting for example if you're making infrastructure for wind, for wind floating farms, you can maybe put artificial coral and make it uh, use that infrastructure to make a, a more biodiverse spot, and mitigate the impact of these okay. these wind floats. So uh, this out-of-the-box thinking, uh, I think we can can give.
0: Thank you. A uh, quick comment from uh, Bernard. I think I wanted to come, and then we're going to take some uh, comments and questions uh, as well. We have loads coming in actually. Bernard.
3: Okay, thanks. Um, I think Raquel made some really really good points, uh, just to to maybe one or two thoughts uh, on fisheries. Um, the experience we have made, and personally I've been managing European, northern European fisheries for seven, eight years, so I know it a little bit. Um, we have seen that more uh, fisheries become sustainable, respectful of, of, of the environment, and we have made huge progress on that, right, in, in the last years more they also become profitable and there's an internal dynamic that sort of correlates um, you know, economic uh, performance and environmental performance. I think it's a very important lesson to learn and of course I realize it's still different between small-scale and large-scale and industrial and, and, and local fisheries but the overall trend is, is, doing, is doing good. Um, they got even reasonably well through the pandemic with, with our help. We did an emergency uh, uh, funding program last year uh, and my hope is that this trend will continue and i think it's a lesson also for other areas like if you look at at maritime tourism right if you if we manage to go into a direction where there is more of a value proposition where we get away from seasonality from the kind of not only beach tourism but we we look at 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 more sustainable models of tourism then we also perhaps come to a situation where uh those who rely on these incomes have more of an even and 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 uh and balanced income over the whole over the whole year. Uh, and then on aquaculture, I think a lot of the problems, and by the way also on algae, which has huge potential in Europe, and again, Europe is leading in many ways there, a lot of the problems are actually red tape, um, local red tape also. If you're a, a, a trout farmer in, in Poland and the local authority doesn't understand why you need to need a water permit, the bank is, is not going to give you a, a loan for that. So this is things that we need to mainstream into into the whole administration. And that's one thing we work on. Uh, and then, of course, you know, skills, skills are important, right? We have uh, we have active programs funded by the EU budget for skills. And, and these are these are important things to do as well. So many good points. And, and thank you, Raquel. I think you made a few really good points there.
0: Super, thank you. Uh, let's go to some of the questions and comments. John Bell, this one's for you. Just uh, quick answers and we'll run through lots of these. Uh, what will be new? This is from Reino uh, Lucas. Uh, what will be new in the review of the blue economy strategy the Commission will present on the 12th of May uh, uh, compared to the old one from 2012? John.
2: is leading on that, but I think what you'll see is the vision that's been set of sustainability is the goal and putting in place the means to achieve them, and I think from our point of view, an okay. anchoring of research innovation in deployment.
0: Thank you. Bernard, uh, from Doville, uh, and um, I'm sorry for the mispronunciation of your name, uh, Bernard, can you please uh, comment on the new initiative you mentioned, the Blue Forum. Tell us a bit more about the Blue Forum.
3: So the basic idea is what we discussed earlier that we we need to we need to bring together all the stakeholders in our seas uh, in order to uh, uh, have a dialogue, and the dialogue should basically lead to balancing the interests. Right? One of one of the commodities that is really scarce is space, uh, and and uh, and there's a huge environmental risk in 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 encroaching more on the in, the in the limited space we have in our seas. Huh? We are we are not even in the in the situation of Norway, which has a huge sea area. We have confined seas in the North Sea, in the in the uh, in the Baltic Sea, in the Mediterranean. We need to we need to bring under one under one uh, common denominator mm-hmm. all the <clears throat> the different the different interests and make sure that uh, solutions are equitable and that is sustainable. Very importantly, also sustainable and in line with. Uh, all our targets uh, in, in, in the marine environment and the uh, environmental legislation and, 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 and so on. So the idea is to set up something that uh, will establish a dialogue that is proactive, that makes us not only react to complaints when we receive them, but we address them uh, beforehand and find solutions.
0: Uh, there's another question here for Bernard. But I'll ask uh, Claudia first. Um, is, it was mentioned that three to four percent of the EU sea space needs to be reserved for sustainable projects. How realistic is that, Claudia?
6: well we 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 managed to focus on the on the research that uh, also the european commission uh, does and uh, together with all stakeholders so uh, i think that uh, uh, those metrics are uh, analyzed with a, a group of experts and uh, uh, well uh, how how can we manage to to achieve them we all need to do our uh, efforts politically at the eu level but also together with uh, with with the governments and um, i think that uh, um this this mission starfish 2030 uh, has really indeed uh, identified areas that uh, of action for the ocean and i think that if we all work together putting implementing them uh, and and uh, working together with national governments and also with uh, with the with the governments of the, the, the outermost regions at all levels and, and work locally, I think that we, we we want to manage that, to achieve those goals. So I think that there's a huge uh, uh, effort to be done, uh, because as it was said in the beginning, uh, well, the time is short and uh, uh, the ambition is, is big. So... Uh, I don't know if we will manage to do that but I think that the scope is good so we need to put all together all stakeholders together and with this kind of uh, of uh uh, uh conferences on, on on blue but not only conference we need to discuss is important but most of the conference we need to involve them to listen to the others to to listen to stakeholders and to 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 show results how can we implement this in in, in real time how can we create value for communities for for member states with the with these goals?
0: Thank you. I know you have to leave us now. So thanks very much for taking the time to be with us this morning, Claudia. We'll see you soon. Uh, Toby, let's just stay in this for a second as well. From from your perspective, from an industrial side, you know, three to four percent of the EU sea space are reserved uh, for this. Do you think that's realistic? Do you think the figure is more or less accurate?
5: I think it's important uh, to to have goals uh, like that, and I think it resonates uh, well uh, with uh, with uh, position. Uh, for us, it's it's kind of we're we're a very much a values-based uh, uh, company. Uh, we're kind of how we deliver and, and do our business is is key to us. So we we have just recently updated our own uh, biodiversity uh, policy, uh, and among other things, uh, we clearly uh, identified. Uh, areas uh, that we would kind of uh, select not to uh, be involved with uh, and areas uh, where we will have to kind of uh, uh, implement measures. So, so whether or not kind of the, the, the number is accurate, I think it's important that we do uh, have some uh, areas uh, that, that we actually uh, um, are careful about uh, and, and protect.
0: Can you give us some idea of what those areas are that you would prefer to avoid at least uh, for the moment?
5: Uh, th- those would be uh, typically uh, typically um, areas uh, um, uh, with with the highest uh, protection uh, and restrictions. Uh, uh, very much in line with uh, with the suggestions uh, now that has come uh, through uh, through the EU. So it correlates very well with uh, what what the EU puts in place.
0: Okay, and when you talk about safety, which is obviously your, your specialism, you know, is this what you mean in terms of, of uh, risk avoidance, uh, where there are high impact areas that you're looking for, uh, you know, is, is safer, more manageable uh, investment areas, uh, which you think are sustainable over the longer term?
5: Yes, uh, I, I think uh, uh, the, the main uh, the main key there is actually uh, also, of course, as Claudia talked about, is, is skills. You you really need to uh, to understand the ocean, and you need to understand the risk picture. Um, so so really uh, getting a good grip of, of what is really the risks in in the area that you are looking at. Uh, and, and there's no kind of one size fits all. It's it's very kind of dependent on on where you are, and you have to scale your uh, your uh, actions uh, accordingly. But to us, it's very important to understand uh, where, what we're up against. Uh, and we have, uh, in, in certain uh, processes, avoided areas because uh, uh, to us, uh, it, it could uh, represent uh, uh, a too high risk from a sustainability uh, point of view.
0: Okay, thank you, John. Uh, we're asked here about the Rainer Lukas asked, "What will become of the exploration of gas and oil in the new strategy?"
2: Well, I think Bernard is leading on the new strategy there, Brian. Um, okay, I, I'd leave it to him to. I think he, he gave a very clear uh, uh, signal in his intervention. Bernard, go ahead, Bernard. I think the
3: the the paradigma is to understand, the, to have a sense of the urgency we are facing, right? We are unfortunately in a situation where we have to tackle multiple crises and uh, we have uh, the crisis of the ocean environment uh, and uh, our mission ocean is going to be one, one, one way we try to address that. Uh, we have very ambitious targets in the, in the recent uh, last year's uh, biodiversity strategy that uh, we really, really have to make an effort to, to, to meet. Uh, it will be a big effort, and we have the climate crisis, and it's probably the defining crisis of our age. So it's it's very clear. Uh, uh, as much as I commend what you know, companies like Equin are doing on on uh, on renewables, and it's great. I mean, you know, more you do there, better it is. As much it is necessary that the same companies basically retire uh, their oil and gas operations and don't start new ones. Uh? I mean, I've I've read that uh, there's a new. Exploration, uh, ex- exploration, oil, so gas exploration field planned in, in the Arctic, uh, starting starting in, in one or two years time. This is the wrong moment to do that. So that's that's a very clear that's a very clear uh, message I would like to give, to say that this is a sustainable transition. Transition means going in the right direction and avoiding that we do harm, eh? do better, and don't do harm. These these two things go together.
0: Thank you. Just uh, stay with us there, Bernard. It's another question from Anonymous. It says How will the ocean mission support emerging renewables like wave and tidal?
3: Good question. So, first of all, I mean, these these technologies have potential. They are pre commercial at the moment, right? So, they're not yet uh, earning their money in the market. They can do so. Um, Actually, Europe is leading in those as well. they can have, by by over over a decade or two, a very significant contribution to our, to our energy mix if if we manage to get them into the market. Um, what we are trying to do at the moment, and that's not only the Ocean Mission, but it's through a number of of, uh, of programs and activities, is to see how we can de-risk these help de-risking these these activities. A lot of funding has gone into into R and into technology development, basically from the, the previous Horizon program, the Research Framework program. And I think the big challenge we have to address is to see how we can take out the the risk that is in, in, in getting from the, the the technology development into the market, right? So if if you're an investor, you are not going to put a lot of money into a technology that is tried and tested for the first time. You don't quite know whether it will survive the first year in, in the sea in a, in a very corrosive, hostile environment when you put these turbines into the water, to salt water. Um, and, and so I think what we need are, are models of, 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 of de risking of insuring against this initial investment risk that that will help them get get into the market
0: okay and just on that you know is the European Union going to act as the guarantor uh, for, to help this de-risking strategy and and the insurer of last resort how do you see it
3: it's it's not really for me to say I'm, I'm probably the least least well, faced person because I don't sit on the big pots of money, but I think are the other pro the programs are there. I think we need to, and we are talking to the European investment banks or to our European bankers in in Luxembourg, and uh, you know these are these are things that that require that just need to be developed. Eh? I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's something that that uh, is uh, is needed and at the same time difficult to do because. Uh, you need to have a viable financial proposition to to get there.
0: Okay, thank you, John Bell. Question for you: What about the role of ports, both in terms of restoring ecosystems and renewable energy?
2: Uh, well, just one follow on to the last question: sure. We are actually working in in financial innovation. Uh, we've we've developed a circular, uh, bio based uh, fund, where indeed the uh, the EU institutions are acting as the investor of last resort, so that we can deal with these very high risk areas. We're, we're piloting and research is moving into financial and business models as well. Now, the ports, as, as everybody has said uh, this morning, we're talking about a place-based activity. The, the way to address these issues in an integrated way is at sea basin level, and ports play an absolutely critical uh, role in that. Whether you're talking about uh, the opportunities in terms of the services and the jobs that can be developed, or you're talking about managing some of the risks in terms of the carbon footprint that ports themselves uh, are involved in or indeed in terms of servicing some of the ecosystems uh, footprint or restorations that will have to be generated out of port uh, uh, infrastructures and I think it's part of the thinking uh, that's going on in terms of how this mission initiative uh, will start where would we start uh, uh, demonstrating these breakthroughs and, and convening and mobilizing the kind of innovators, partners, uh, investors and communities to try out and see what this destination could be. And I think ports uh, are very likely to be very uh, uh, central to that.
0: Okay, thank you. Just so scan through some comments here, Uh quick response Bernard. Uh, Cesar de Oliveira asks, should the youth be included in the Blue Forum? Um,
3: to start with, uh, we have actually a, a we have set up what we call a EU for Ocean Coalition, and it's basically a a, a program where we are actually reaching out to, to to not only to young people but to schools. Eh? So we are working okay. on developing curricula. We work with blue schools in Portugal, for instance. Uh, we work with schools here to try ocean related curricula in the in the in the school education cycle. Um, definitely, I think. Um, uh, it's 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 very important. It's very important, um, and uh, also in the ocean mission, I think uh, one of the one of the things we really want to do is is uh, reinforce what's already out there in terms of winning over the hearts and minds of everybody, young people, but also society as a whole, in terms of you know just understanding the importance and what is at stake in the oceans.
0: Thank you. Uh, I'm just going to read some quick comments here So, from Anonymous. The ocean is dying at a fast pace. If we don't act now, in 10 years, it will be too late to reverse human species extinction. Just the kind of good news uh, we need this morning. And there is no real awareness and commitment to tackle the situation. I think that's pretty much disputable from what we've heard this morning. And uh, what to expect from society if the science politicians give are at the minimum contradictory. I didn't hear too many contradictory statements this morning. And let's scan down a little bit. Renewable, it should be clear today that only renewable hydrogen is the energy of the future. Again, we have heard so many different uh, possible renewable options which uh, seem entirely sustainable uh, this morning. And uh, I just want to go back to uh, something that Toby said earlier on about uh, the lower cost um, of uh, innovation technology. So a lot of this research has been done. The, the cost of entry is, is getting lower uh, and the scale-up uh, capacity is, is now uh, substantially better. Uh, is this a, a tipping point in terms of these technologies? Do you think that uh, market entry uh, for entrepreneurs, for innovators and for uh, venture capital uh, is just primed to, to accelerate this process? Tovi
5: yes a very short uh, answer is probably yes uh, <laughs> but, uh, but i think if if i if i if i used uh, floating uh, as a good example then uh, that's kind of um, uh, ha- has gone from kind of a brilliant idea on the back of a napkin uh, by some of our uh, researchers uh, to actually demonstrating uh, projects uh, and and this uh, first uh, floating of the wind farm it's 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 kind of been going on over a process of uh, Fifteen back years. Napkin stories. So, what,
0: what was the development from the back of the napkin? What, what happened?
5: Well, uh, <laughs> there was uh, two of our uh, researchers in, in, in Ecuador out sailing, uh, and and they actually observed a uh, floating buoy in the water, uh, and really got the uh, got the brilliant idea for how to solve kind of how to move from uh, from bottom fixed to uh, to floating, uh, and that uh, then they sketched it uh, on the back of a napkin. Uh and, uh and 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 later than that uh, that is what evolved into our high wind co- concept uh, which is our okay. floating uh, concept so so where we are on the floating concept now from kind of that uh, very initial one in 2001 and uh, we are now at the stage where we are uh, have started construction um of the next uh, floating wind farm uh, that will happen in norway uh, which is kind of the next stepping stone to further drive uh, down the cost, but what we will need after that is is a much bigger uh, and a more commercial uh, um, uh, uh, floating park. Okay. Um, so so that will be the natural next step. But we will we think we will be ready to commercialize it uh, in in by 2030. But it will will require still um, the financial kind of framework uh, to to help that really uh, get going. And and uh, some interesting uh, data here is, is actually that eighty percent, eighty percent of uh, of world's uh, sea is actually in what we consider um, uh, uh, kind of deeper waters, over sixty meters, where where bottom fixed uh, uh, offshore wind. Uh, will will not be at least today feasible. So so then you're over to to floating, and I think that that will be a key uh, for us uh, to to really uh, unlock the potential uh, in in the floating or in, Thank you. in the oceans. So, yeah,
0: John Bernard, do you want to rename this the big napkin strategy? Would that work for you for the blue economy? We're going to our wrap up comments now as well. Raquel, uh, you want to start? So just uh, closing remarks. What's, what does. Uh, Europe need to do to protect the blue economy and to make this a viable uh, economic strategy?
4: Well, um, as already said, we need to stop investing in the sectors that do not meet the requirements of sustainability, of course. Um, I think also give more incentives to youth. we need to be also recognized uh, from our work and make all the way toward the the, the position that you are all in now. So um, sometimes I often see that uh, there are always uh, the same person talking about the same theme. So give some room to the youth, just like you did to me today, and I really would like to have that that way of thinking to, for other panels to also have the youth always present.
0: You're too modest. Your, your contribution is equal <laughs> uh, to anyone else uh, today as well. Thank you. Uh, John Bell, your your last remarks.
2: To those who, who think there's a lack of urgency, um, I mean, as I said at the beginning, as Commissioner Sinkovic said, this is what the European Union is for for the next 30 years. So. Uh, What we need to make this transition happen is a full mobilisation. First of all, is to see what the destination is in terms of the economy, nature and the kind of society that we want. Uh, Set the direction in terms of of areas in which markets can form, businesses can be built, people can build their lives and their jobs. And we need to put the means in place. This is where research and innovation uh, comes into it. And I think as, as uh, in your napkin analogy, uh, there's, there's another analogy here that people use talking about the economy. We're we're not picking winners, we're picking races. And the one that we have to win is the one where the clock is indeed ticking. But my, my, my conclusion would be, you know, we may be running out of time, but we're not running out of ideas.
0: Thanks so much. Bernard, last remarks. Uh, along the same lines, uh, um...
3: It's anything but business as usual. Um, we 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 need to get out of of a frame of mind uh, that sort of pits uh, the ecology against the economy, and and uh, we need to realize that, and that applies especially to the oceans. That if we don't make a really really serious effort to to protect our oceans now, we are basically just cutting off the branches sitting on, and and you know the the consequences in terms of of everything that's economic and social jobs and well-being and our society surviving is, is, is going to be diminished. So this is really important. So for us, you know, the the clear, uh, my, my sense, my clear sense is that we, we need to tackle the, the climate problem, of course, and, and you know, specifically in the oceans, the EU has set itself a a target of 30% sea area protected and, and really protected, not just on paper, uh, by by 2030 i would be a happy man if that, if that happens by then, but it's, it's also something that I believe is really essential, not even for us, but
0: for, for our children. Excellent, thanks so much. And last word, Tove.
5: I, I would like to thank you very much for this productive and insightful uh, discussion. Uh, and, and as uh, said, uh, we think that ocean, offshore wind has the potential to become a key contributor in reaching uh, those uh, climate ambitions. And, and we are ready to contribute uh, with our industrial experience. Uh, We have a decade uh, of operating experience from floating wind and five decades, actually, uh, from kind of uh, uh, ocean experience. uh, And key strengths uh, that we possess uh, are within um, experience of large, complex projects and marine operations and maintenance, and not to mention technology and innovation. And we would very much like to continue that. We're committed to continue driving innovation, research and development of new offshore renewable technologies. And we also strive for creating jobs and economic opportunities across uh, the value chain. So thank you for your attention.
0: Thank you to all our panelists. Today it's clear, as we heard earlier, there is no Green Deal uh, without the blue economy as well. And if the, the ambition of the technology is to be matched, it should be matched by the ambition uh, to communicate what uh, can clearly be a huge uh, motivating and driving factor for the recovery and the prosperity of uh, future generations in Europe. So thanks to all our panelists this morning, those who took time uh, to be with us in our audience. Thanks to uh, Commissioner Sincovicius also for uh, taking time. And to be with us and for uh, his excellent remarks uh, today, too. Uh, thank you to uh, Econor for the support. Uh, without him, this wouldn't happen today. And uh, to our team here, Malta, Jacques, and Simona, you don't see them, but I do, just behind the scenes. Uh, thanks for, for all their efforts, too. So, I'm Brian McGuire. I wish you a good afternoon.